Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Meaningful Tech Podcast. Our guest today is Bill Klein, the co-founder and president of Consero Global Solutions. Consero is changing the way business does finance with their innovative finance-as-a-service solution. We talk about their technology strategy and their technology platform that is a brilliant unification platform that simplifies their customer's life. This is a good example of meaningful tech. Instead of reinventing the wheel, Consero pursued a strategy of using a best-of-breed solution stack that is already available, but building their differentiator, which is a unified services delivery platform that dramatically reduces customer friction. Think of it like Mint for business. Let's dive right in. All right. Hey, Bill. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Anand. Happy to be here. All right. Let's jump right in. Do you want to take a couple of minutes and introduce yourself, your background, and also Concero? Sure. So, Bill Klein, and I'm president and co-founder of Concero Global. And Concero Global is a finance-as-a-service business, which really means we've kind of combined all of the finance accounting services and software that a company needs to sustain their operations and to give them insights and information about what's happening in their business, how they're positioned from a financial standpoint and how the business is performing over time. And we've really put that together into a a package that allows companies to get scalability, visibility, and insights into, into the company in a scalable fashion that will take them through the lifespan of their operations. Great. Perfect. Perfect. And so that's exactly what we want to dive in today. Talk about some of the interesting things uh, you're doing as a company, especially with technology. So some of the questions are specifically pointed towards your platform, your tech strategy, and things that you all do in a unique way to build on your tech strategy as well as go to market with it. So. Mm-hmm. Great. So just as the first question, having worked with you for several years, Concero's simple platform is, you know, I think it's a, such a powerful unification platform that takes the best of uh, breed solutions out there in the market and brings it together for your clients that is easy to use, scalable. It's a very unique approach instead of deploying multiple applications to your customers. Can you explain your journey on how you landed on this particular strategy? Sure, sure. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, an interesting journey for sure. You know, I, I think I think if you if you flash back to when we were, you know, early on in the lifespan of the company and we were providing services and we had this vision of being, you know, a solution that could allow customers to leverage best practices and efficiency and have a scalable, efficient finance and accounting platform that they could leverage to support their operations and not have to worry about the finance and accounting function and building out teams and putting software in place and trying to come up with scalable processes for different things as their business uh, grows. And so I think as we were looking to do that, you know, early on, we would often, we would often plug into systems that a customer already had in place and we would inherit those and we'd try to make 
the most of those. And I think what we quickly learned along the way was we were never going to be great mm. at what we do if we had to leverage all different applications every time we were working with different companies. And so it was more about how if, if we solve a problem for customer A and they've got this application stack and then we have the same problem with customer B, how do we get access to certain information? And they have a different application stack. The, nothing you learned from company A is relevant to help you with doing it faster when company B comes up, right? You know, that mm -hmm. was one of the big things was how are you really ever going to get true best practices if you're working off of different applications all the time? And so, you know, we really said we can have consistency in process, but if we want to be great, we've got to have a standardized application stack. That application stack is ingrained with our processes mm. already so that when we onboard a new client, it's not we're creating a a customized tech stack for them with a certain set of tools. It's that we've already got the process and the technology and we're just onboarding this customer onto our platform, which already works. And so right. I think that that was a big difference where that we saw was we really, that was our goal. And to do that, we started standardizing on these best of breed applications that would allow us to be effective at, at delivering our services to customers but what that in turn led to was just what you kind of said earlier, customers had to go log into, they had to interface in some of those systems we're using. They have to approve a vendor bill. They have to approve an expense report. They want to see their cash position. All three of those things are in different systems. So we said, how do we have a front end that would effectively be a unification engagement layer that would allow the customer, it would allow it to be branded as Concero and would allow us to simplify the customer taking action, seeing information and not being overwhelmed by the interface in one application versus another one. Or there's different functions in these different underlying softwares that we may be using or not using for a specific customer. And they shouldn't have to think about, have to think about that or know that, right? They should just get the information they need. So I think, as you know, we started talking with you guys and, and I think the the whole idea of a unification layer that could interface with these third-party applications that were good at what they do, but we could make it easier for our customer to make the deliveries. And that was really appealing uh, in a way for us to have branding, scalability, and, and a value prop above and beyond what third-party applications uh, we were using. So Great. that's kind of where it started. Perfect. Yeah. And so that's kind of uh, falls into the build and buy strategy where you use, you buy the best of breed software out there and build your differentiators, right? And, and what right. you did was essentially build uh, that true system of engagement that helps you deliver your services at scale. That's great. Awesome. Yep. Uh, perfect. So, so in order to achieve that, obviously, you would have to take a very disciplined approach to technology, right? And you cannot just, you know, the way I've seen in my career, throughout my career, you know, when, when there's a technology discussion, it's always about, you know, what, what the sales guys gave you, what you got sold, in other words, and then you figure out how to use it and fit it into your business uh, instead of the other way around, which is looking at the business problem and trying to solve it. So, can you talk a little bit about your disciplined approach to technology and how you start, you know, with a deliberate alpha concept without even building anything, talking to your customers, and you have this strong product management competency that you developed and grew within Concero over the last several years. Can you talk a little bit about that, about your disciplined approach to technology? Sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I, we, we, we try to be disciplined, obviously, you know, like all <laughs> things in the company, it's a, a work in progress and we're better at it sometimes than we are at other times, but we're certainly on the whole, we're far better at it today than we were three years ago, right? right and five right. years ago. And so that for me is the big thing. Are we learning from things? Are we applying those to our process to try to make sure we're efficient? And I, I think the biggest thing is what you started to describe. You know, I, I'd say my biggest learning through everything and, and learnings through rolling some things out that didn't end up generating any value, didn't mm -hmm. end up being as useful as we thought because we didn't have a good process to go from ideation to alpha beta process to a general general rollout and we didn't have the mvp concept that we have today and i i think that the discipline there is what you said i i'd say it starts with the upfront fact of us saying that everything that gets approved for funding any big any significant new piece of functionality that we're going to build or a new application or a new a new product that we think we should add to our application stack and 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 obviously then support as part of our ongoing business for any of those things we have a one pager that we do where it's where the whole goal is to say what is the problem we're trying to solve here what do we need to solve the problem? What are the impacts that are happening? And what will things look like if we if we do solve the problem? What are the objectives, outcomes that we think we can receive from that? And so I think that's been a really big way for us that started with us having a discipline sign off for this. And we've gotten better about the what's truly an impact versus just a, oh, this will this will save us time. Well, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything, right? It, it's how much time? <laughs> and do we really believe we can we can recoup that time? Or it's better for customer, you know, the transparency to customer. What, how, and I, what what what's the outcome of that for the customer? And so, you know, that combining that with the cost element of what's it going to cost us to build it, that's really given us a place up front to say, does this make sense for us to do it? And to stack rank that against other ideas and that are being brought up to be uh, enacted on. And is there a real business case for this? And do we understand what, what success is going to look like? I think that's the really upfront first step in the process. And from there, we kind of decide what we're going to do from there, right? Sometimes yep. if we can ha already have customer feedback about that, sometimes it's customer driven things where we're going, hey, here's customers who are asking about this. This is why they need it. This is the value it's going to bring them if we do this. Other times it might be an internal idea someone has that, this, I think, could be really impactful for customers. And sometimes you can get some decent feedback from customers on that upfront. Sometimes it's a little harder without them seeing it. Mm -hmm. And so then the question is, all right, what are we willing to do? What are we willing to invest to get to a point where we can get the customer feedback, right? That it doesn't mean we need to build this grand vision thing. It means how do we get to an alpha, to a true MVP, where you've got just a minimum thing where a customer can use it and get a feel for what we're really saying this could do for them. Even if it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles, it's got enough to give them a feel for it. And I think that part of the, and then we'll have feedback and we can decide, is this worth going from initial, you know, either, either some kind of alpha version mm -hmm. of what we have or something a little farther along, almost a full MVP, but then are we going to do more? And are we going to invest in more in this? And that gives us the gate to do that. Other times we have that feedback up front and we know we don't have to do an alpha. We're going to go straight to, you know, our MVP and go through a beta process and then launch it. And so 
you know, and how long those betas are depends sometimes on the complexity of the of the of what we're building and how much customer involvement there is. So all of that goes into it, but you know, at different points, sometimes we got more of that customer feedback up front. Sometimes we have to get it in the process. And so that right. we try to be able to adjust to that. But but that being essential to at some point saying, is this working? Is this gonna do something for us or should we stop investing right. in this? Uh, Great. Yeah, yeah. I mean those are all tenets of a good product thinking product-based organization, right? And one of the things when we started engaging with you all is, you know, the appreciation for actually having and developing an internal product competency. Yes. I remember you, you know, you're talking about investing in bringing a product manager, building a product team that really tests all of these, you know, the hypotheses that you had mm-hmm. uh, and actually helping with this disciplined approach. I mean, when I started with you all, I didn't quite appreciate why you know you start product first instead of engineer first. My background is let's start mm-hmm. with an engineer, right? And so yeah. after that, I developed this notion or understanding that look, engineers can build whatever you ask them to build, but the hardest problem to solve is knowing what to build and when to build it, right? And yeah. so I think that was uh, you know it was a it was a great learning for me in general working with you. So having with, with that, if we can jump to the you know slightly uh, slight variation of the previous question is, I know your you know prior background before founding Concero was was in the product space, and I know you brought some of those learnings, and mm-hmm. you and you started with, you know setting up the product team within Concero first, even though you, you know you were a small company you know at that time several years ago, uh, you started with product first, and so. What does your general product ideation process look like? Yeah, so I, I think I, you know, I touched on that a little. I think yeah. the big thing is we, we, anyone in the company, everyone has ideas, right? And that's yeah. great. And we, and we want to encourage flowing those ideas through. This has been one of the big things, I think, that, that taking a process that is, is manual or in Excel files and getting it into where it's in a piece of software. For me, one of the biggest pieces of value that comes out of that is now people just can't arbitrarily change what they're doing. Cause it happens sometimes we, you say, this is the standard way we're doing this, this is the template, but when it's an Excel thing, someone can change it, right? And they go, oh, this, this would be better if I did, if I just added this in here, or if I change this, or if yeah. I allowed this to happen. And next thing you know, you're doing things differently on different accounts. And the, the thing is, you you would have wanted to know, maybe that person who said they wanted to make a change that, maybe they had a great idea. But if they do, that's something we should be doing everywhere. Not just that person yeah. does that, right? Or, yeah. hey, maybe they don't fully understand how they should be using that thing. And maybe they're, they thought they needed to do that because we deal with that a different way using the thing we have. So once it's in software, they have to go ask somebody about that, right? And now right. they can't just change it. And that's really helped us funnel all of these ideas and things and bringing more of them to light and putting them into our ideation process where we stack rank things. You know, we go through a regular planning process across the whole business, not just Mm -hmm. product, but in product, you know, we're always going through that. And we have these big things where literally we'll say, all right, here's some of the, here's some of the big things that have come up, whether they were internal ideas from, you know, the, the product team, whether it was direct customer, uh, feedback and requests, or whether it was the service delivery team saying, hey, here's things that would really help us in the process or things we think would help the customer. Mm-hmm. Wherever that is, it gets those into that process where we can 
really understand the impact of what we're talking about doing, the why it matters, mm. what the impact would be, and then what the cost would be, and we can stack those against each other, you know, to say, look, right. this this has some value, but it's it's really hard to do. This thing has some value, and it's really easy to do. That's probably going to get prioritized, <laughs> right. you know, higher. <laughs> so it's that combination, and and really looking at them holistically, and being able to to compare them to each other, but to do that, you really need those impacts and, right. and being able to quantify those impacts, not just having, you know, ambiguous uh, language, which again, we, we, it's hard. It's, a, right. it's one of the hardest to do and, and one that took us a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of stumbling to do it. But, you know, you guys helped us through that process a lot. And I think we're yeah. in a better place than yeah, we were before. Now. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I see this all the time with several of my clients where, a lot of this is practiced in what I call theory, right? Yeah. Applying it in reality, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And, and it's great to see that you're, as an organization, since you started with that product-first approach, iterative approach, and you said, let me follow that discipline, even though, you know, Simple was a very, very, very small application at that time, helped evolve into this, a truly disciplined product organization that delivers value. Yeah. So that's yeah, fantastic. And, and I, yeah. think, I think to your point on like one of the <laughs> biggest things I, I, I found in that was, you know, obviously the people are critical and we've yeah. got a team. And I think one of the things that we found the, the attributes that are so important on that team to help drive that process yeah. is number one, not being afraid to be challengers because, you know, as you know, Sometimes you got to ask why 10 times to get to the impact, right? Yeah. And yep. I, I've seen it firsthand where we had a, someone on a service team who said, hey, a customer, my customer wants an export function here. They want to be able to export this one view. And that was their feature request. Well, our product team said, hey, why do they want to export that? And the person, well, they want to dump it into Excel to do some other <laughs> analysis. And they said, all right, what analysis? What are they trying to see? And we ended up doing a call with the customer and the product team asked several more questions of the why and what are you trying to see and what, what view are you trying to get? And in the end, the person, the customer showed us the view they were trying to get. And the product team said, oh, we can just put that view straight in the product, right? Yep. So how much better is that, right? Rather than an export <laughs> function where now they still have to do a bunch of Excel stuff just by understanding what they really wanted we got to the real thing and we had a much better solution for that customer that ended up making them happy and saved them a bunch of time. So Great. I think it's being like, have that mindset is really critical to drive in that product function. Uh, love it. Ask why 10 times, right? It, it, yeah. reminds, it reminds me of, you know, the classic Japanese uh, Tai Chi Ohono's uh, method, which is how do you do root cause is ask why five times. It's called the five wives, five yeah. whys. And so it's, it's similar to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you oh, want to get, get the right product direction, ask why 10 times. Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. And, then, and so with that, you talked a little bit about team and, and challenging the team and challenging uh, ourselves. You know, interestingly, you started off when you started building a product, you, you were pretty sure about building an internal product organization. However, outsourcing your engineering and related processes to us. So, you know, just reflecting back on that decision, what, how do you think it has played out for y'all? And, you know, what would you recommend if somebody asks you how to set up their tech, tech organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So yeah. when I look back to our situation, right, and, and again, I, I always hesitate to give advice without understanding people's situation. Yeah. You know, ours was 
we did, you know, I have a little bit of product background, but we had no one who had, who was a technical, you know, engineering, software engineering level person in the whole company. And so mm -hmm. when we were thinking about, you know, building our, building a product, we knew we needed the product function. You know, I, I think, and you had discussed that and you had said the same thing, that that's really the part that's core to the business and something that, you know, the company mm -hmm. should own and you need that conduit. But the actual development stuff, you know, we, we really thought a lot about when you guys came to us with your with your model and how you guys worked. It was similar to what we were doing for our customers on finance accounting. We were bringing some of the software, we were bringing the process, we were bringing the people and expertise. And, and it's hard. Our customers sometimes think, you know, our companies we talk to think, well, I'm either going to use Concero or hire a controller. And, you know, yeah. the odds of that controller being excellent at all the things we can be excellent at because we've got different people heading the different functions all who have different experience and skill sets that's hard to do and we thought you know should we hire a developer or work with thinkbridge and you know when we really do it through the process it was it was silly to compare hire a developer when we need part of an engineering manager and we need part of a, a coder we need a part of a ui ux person we need part of a qa <laughs> yeah. person and so all of that stuff and how do we know that the person's writing good code, right? Yeah. You know, that's, that's another thing. There's no review, there's no oversight. So I think that, that for us, it was such a, an easy sell because it resonated so much with what we talked to our customers about and that you can leverage an organization to get that broader experience and exposure and you don't have to be the expert at it. And, you know, so for us, it was a super appealing thing yeah. from the beginning from that perspective. And I think, you know, that's why the, the partnership's been so strong along yeah. the way too, is that yeah. it's, it's you guys, the value and look at the point where we decided, hey, we really gotta have a VP of engineering yep. in-house. We did that and we talked about what now we would own that you guys were owning and we yeah. take that, but we still, you know, work with ThinkBridge for all of the actual coding and all the work and all the QA and all that. And yep. that's been a great relationship that's expanded since we've yeah. had the, the VP of engineering in there. So. I'd yep. say that, you know, more than anything, it's what's your expertise, what's your core competency yep. and what's your expertise and where do you want to be spending your time and effort and, yep. you know, stuff that like someone else who does it all the time might be great at it. And is there really, is there an advantage to you or is there, is there a conceivable way you're going to be better than that firm at it? And if so, is that how much is it going to benefit you to be five percent better or ten percent right. better right. even right. if you could do that you know is that worth the time and effort to go and build that and it's like the make versus buy thing you talked about earlier That's on right. with technology right like yeah. if i go spend all the time to build this product in-house we could buy it today and already be using it in a few weeks or we can right. <laughs> go through the whole process and that's how we thought about the function and its evolution and it's worked out well you know we've been Great. able to like i said add that leadership role as we grew and needed more that perspective but it's been able to keep that underlying uh, foundation and, and knowledge base and team that you know we get from you guys to be able to do that and you can augment when we've new things you can bring in some different skill sets that again we'd have to go find individually on our own so right yeah great yeah i absolutely agree it's been a fantastic partnership we've grown we've learned a lot from you all you know in, in and we've been taking some of those practices to our other clients and you know that's how we are you know sharing that knowledge so so thank you for that that's been fantastic that's so, and so you know just to wrap this up just a final question was is is you know you thought about you're a services uh, business 
at your yep. core. However, what you are successfully doing is applying technology on top of those services to deliver tremendous customer experience and value, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at other services companies, what would you generally, if you were to give them a you know, a couple of words of advice on how they should look at technology, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I, I think we're, you know, whatever your business is, right? Some, some companies, you know, a service that what that is, I, I think open table is a service, right? Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and that, but that can be almost completely automated. Whereas our service, you know, there's, there's some advisory component to what we do and some yeah. guidance and, and helping customers be comfortable. And then there's the underlying, you know, getting the numbers from things into the general ledger and compiling the financials and producing reports and things like that. That's much more the stuff that wherever we can, that's where technology can really help you, right? You can automate things. You can make yeah. your process not only automated in terms of, it's not about the less people doing, it's about the people you have being able to focus their time on higher value activities. And, yeah. you know, if you can automate a bank reconciliation, that's great. Like you can, you can, you can get to a thing where you automate, Hey, here's all the things that matched. Here's the things that don't reconcile. Now someone can go figure out why those don't, what are these items that are standing out? Right? Like, yep. so it's, it's how do you automate that baseline set of stuff so that the people you have can provide more value. And then on the flip side, it's about how do you make it easier for your customer to engage with your, with your service and, and how do you use technology to do that? Right. And that's where right. we built that front end of simple where, now they aren't confused. They don't have to go into some big confusing system to get information about, you know, customer re- revenue by customer trends. It's an easy thing for them to go get and digest and they don't worry about going to the wrong place or I haven't logged in this tool forever. It's the same yeah. place where they're approving bills and it's the same place where they're looking at their cash. And so yeah. it's, it's really for us, it's been about those two things. Where can we automate, which sometimes is customer experience on the back end reliability and enabling people to do higher value work, not in tying out different numbers. And then on the front of how do you allow customers to have more transparency, which helps everyone, right? Yep. Like that That's the thing customers don't, what, what people are used to for, at least for us from our service, they're used to the black box. Like they, oh, I gotta have this person sitting here. Yeah, yep. because in the world you're in, that person is the sole conduit to any of the information. So now we're bringing the information and we're making it transparent by having it on a dashboard and in a place where you can get it right. You don't, you aren't as beholden to the person in the seat sitting at their computer. Right. And so for us, that was a big part of it. It's right. transparency, information availability, and then automation on the back end. And the, those are the two places we apply it. Like you said, we're still a service business. People still, what they want in the end from us is yeah. that information, they're getting accurate, timely information about how they're doing in the business. And they've got controls around their cash to make sure, you know, nothing happens that shouldn't. And those are the things we generally are putting in place for them. But the how we do it using software gives us advantages in quality, efficiency, and customer satisfaction that allow us to have them have a, a better experience. Great. Yeah. yeah. So if I were to summarize that, essentially amplifying your people through technology and delivering that customer experience, like you said, you know, when you buy software, you typically use most of it, if not all of it. And then, you know, as the software gets complex, it, it becomes more and more complex for your clients. And mm-hmm. you abstract those complexities 
So it becomes easier for your clients to consume Concero services through those products. So that's a fantastic that's right. thought and advice. Thank you for that. That's great. Well, so Bill, that was an enriching conversation for me. Hopefully it was for you as well. That's all we had for today. Is there any final words that you would like to share with the audience? No, I think, you know, I, I, I think you've hit it on the head. I think though it behooves all, you know, service businesses to be looking at, you know, people say we're a, this business, we're not a technology business. That can be true, but that doesn't mean technology isn't a key component that can really be helping you accomplish objectives and can make a material impact on your business's, you know, service quality, profitability, and other things that, that just help you be a stronger overall company. And, you know, that's, that's where I think we've, we decided early on, there is a big place for technology to be applied whether it's in on your onboarding or your ongoing service delivery or whatever it is. And so really looking at that through a, a challenger's lens and not, not just buying into, you know, oh, for us, that would be hard because, yeah. you know, A, B, C, D, E, every, everybody's got those, right? But are you really committed to that? And are you digging in and are you really uh, challenging things? I think that's the starting point to launching a successful, you know, technology enhancement to any business. Great. Excellent. Thank you for that, Bill, and appreciate your time, and good luck with all the growth that's happening at Concero. Yeah, thanks, Anand. Really, right. really appreciate the invite and the conversation. Thank you. All right, man. Bye. Bye.